This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. The Tar Heels lost to Miami. Another opportunity at either a quad one or a quad two win by the boards. Carolina is now 0 for 8 in quad one games. That would not have been a quad one win at this point. Miami is not a top 30 team, although they might be now. Uh, and Brendan Marks from The Athletic joins us on The Adam Gold Show at Brendan R. Marks on Twitter. Uh, all right, so uh, Carolina still didn't shoot well. They bottled up Armando Baycott inside. Uh, but is this mechanical for them, or is this uh, somewhat uh, a psychological problem? I, I think it's both. You know, I think that, you know, the the, the mechanical problems are probably, probably causing some sort of mental blockage. And, like, you know, you mentioned North Carolina didn't shoot well again. That's just the reality of who this team is. It's, you know, if you want to call it roster construction, lack of development, progression, whatever label you want to put on it, this is a team that is barely making 30.6% of its threes. It's 330th nationally. Going into last night, that was the 10th worst three-point percentage of any high major team. Um, and frankly, right now, because of that, and because this has been you know, such a season-long issue that is frankly sort of ingrained in this team's identity at this point, uh, I do think that you see some mental blockages. You know, Pete Nance had a number of, seemingly apparent looks last night from three where he visibly hesitated. Um, And if you're at this point in the season and you're still having these issues, I can't say that um, I blame them for feeling that way. So, so certainly North Carolina has issues of both varieties. And, you know, I think the shooting is sort of the common denominator between those. Well, maybe they have the exact antidote they need in front of them uh, coming up on Sunday in (laughs) NC state. Yeah, I mean, if there is a chance for North Carolina to get right, like, it's got to be there. It has to be. Um, And I think this is a team that, obviously, you look at North Carolina's resume right now, and the great irony in all of this bubble talk, are they going to make the tournament, is that the only pretty much, you know, the the best win on the schedule right now is the NC State win. The North Carolina needs NC State to do well for the sake of its own (laughs) resume, but... Uh, you know, that is going to be a tough place to play. And, and look, there are essentially three games that still matter for North Carolina this season in the regular season. You've got at state and you've got Virginia at home. And you've got Duke at home to end the regular season. In my eyes, if North Carolina doesn't win at least two of those games, they go into the ACC tournament in Greensboro needing to do some work still to prove that they're deserving of being in the tournament. Um, and if they lose all three of those games, then it, it's going to be a very, very steep uphill for this team to make it into much madness. Brendan Marks from The Athletic is joining us here on the Adam Gold Show. If if Carolina only wins one of those three, at State, uh, home again, let's just say they win the Duke game because that's probably their biggest opportunity. I think their best chance, or if not this weekend, this weekend, but if they only win the Duke game, wouldn't it be fair to say they probably need to win the ACC tournament, they would still have zero quad one wins. Duke's not going to be a quad one win in the in the Smith Center. The other the other two opportunities are quad one at state and home against Virginia. So, it, wouldn't it be fair to say they probably have to win the tournament in Greensboro? Yeah, I, I think they would at least have to make it to the finals because just the process of doing that would almost certainly give them an opportunity against another quad one team. Maybe they get you know a Virginia or Miami again. 
Um, and this would be considered a quote-unquote right. neutral court, so the net <laughs> would rank out differently. But, yeah, I mean, if they only win that Duke game, if they lose to NC State, they lose to Virginia at home. Um, and, again, we're not even talking about some of those other filler games. You know, We're not even talking about the Florida States and the other games of the world. You cannot afford to lose those. Um, yeah, it's, it, it is the reality of the situation. And, like, I think the fact that Armando Baycott – is saying last night, I'm 100% worried on a level of worry sort of tells you that, that UNC even understands how precarious this position is. It's, you know, it's sort of unfathomable given where this team was back in like November, um, but it's the reality of the situation. And yeah, you know, if they only win that Duke game, you, you need to at least make the championship game in Greensboro to have a real argument for being included in the tournament. Brendan Marks from The Athletic is joining us here. What is... Because you're closer, way closer to it than I. I, I just watch them on TV. What what has surprised you, uh, I, my guess is in a negative way, about the way this season has played out? Yeah, so I, I think that obviously the shooting is not there, but that is not a surprise to me. Um, even going back to you know April, May, when North Carolina was still sort of figuring out, okay, what what are we doing here with the uh, Gigi Jackson? What are we doing with Pete Nance? What are we looking at in the portal? Even then, I, I was sort of the mindset that you know you were going to need sizable, sizable contributions from three point range from R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, and even down the roster guys, Leaky Black, Puff Johnson, Demarco Dunn. Like those guys were going to have to take gigantic strides three-point shooting wise to make up for Brady Mann can make this offense you know viable like it was during mm-hmm. the postseason last year the thing that has surprised me I think is just the fact that we are now this far into the season mid-February and teams basically have the book on North Carolina what you do is you front Armando Baycott you double him you have the help side defender sag really far off um, basically you dare North Carolina to make shots and the idea that North Carolina has an all-American big man who it can't even get the ball to half the time. Uh, you know, I know that Armando picking up four fouls in a five-minute stretch of game time last night didn't help. But right. the fact that you have one of the best players in the country and you can't even get him the ball sometimes because you are shooting that poorly, um, that, that is not something that I envisioned this season for sure. Um, and, and I think, you know, that is sort of the, the quandary that North Carolina stuck with right now. It's... We have this guy, he's our best player, but right now our other deficiencies are preventing him from doing what he does. And um, he is their best chance for you know winning games. He is their best chance for consistency. And, and right now they can't even use him because of their shortcomings in other areas. The weird thing about this team, Pete Nance shot nearly 47% from three-point range last year. Now that, was, that could be the outlier season because in his two previous seasons, he was not great. He was around 34% the year before that, and he was, I think, under 30%. Uh, maybe even as a uh, as a sophomore at Northwestern, but I mean, he's under thirty percent. I just wonder if uh, poor shooting is contagious, or if you know that man, we need to make shots. If it, you just put so much pressure on yourself that you just can't relax. Yeah, I mean, and and I think that a lot of people, you know, it, there is a lot of value in the context, which nobody wants to hear. Um, but you bring up a great point about Pete, you know. He was a 45.7% three-point shooter last year. But you got to go and look at the volume. He only had 92 attempts. You know, that's basically as many attempts as Brady Manick took in the NCAA tournament alone. Um, so, you know, the, the sample size was not there. And, and, yeah, you have seen him regress, obviously. I think it's very fair to wonder how much his back is bothering him. He yeah. seems stiff on the floor. doesn't seem like he's comfortable. But the other thing is you look at the other guys on the roster, like 
I think people remember the big shots that Caleb made during the postseason last year, and they think, oh, he was, you know, he's a, he's a good three point shooter. Like this guy was one of the most inefficient players in Division One history as a freshman. Made twenty six point six percent, made thirty six percent last year, but on ridiculous volume, and now he's sort of right in the middle of those, right about thirty percent. Um, so it, it is not just a Pete Nance problem. You know, this is just a team that hasn't seen the growth that we would have expected to see. There hasn't been, you know, somebody off the bench who's been able to come in a la Kerwin Walton a few years ago and hit triples. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, you know, when you don't have the shots, like Armando Bacon said, it is impossible to win. I certainly think that, you know, the, the disaster of it all is sort of bearing down on this team. I think that they, you know, sort of sense what is happening to them. And it's, it's almost like watching a train wreck. You don't know if they're going to be able to stop it in real time or not. And, um, again, it's it's just a, a wild thing to consider based on where this team was in November. It's also really hard. I want to I want to ask you one question about Duke in a second, but it's also really hard uh, when you know it's not working on one end of the floor. It's hard for these guys to not carry it to the other end, uh, and there's just too many times where their defense just it they don't finish off possessions. And I'm not even talking about with uh, you know allowing offensive rebounds. They just lose their focus late in shot clocks, and guys end up with layups. Adam Gold here with my man, Coach Pete DeRuta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Are most of your clients hands-on or they just give you their money and let it work for them? About 90% give the money and then we meet every year and go through status reports, have a financial pit stop, make sure everything's fine. It is like a puzzle, Adam, but for the next 10 of you, we'll solve your own retirement puzzle at no cost or obligation. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Yep, they 100% do. And, And the sad part about that is that on the whole, defensively, North Carolina's not bad. I mean, Ken Palm's got him at third in the conference and conference-only defensive efficiency, you know, right behind mm-hmm. Virginia and Clemson. So, like, there is growth there. Leaky Black, I think, is probably going to be, you know, one of the all-ACC defenders, could be the ACC defender of the year. I mean, Armando Baker, I think, has improved as a rim protector. R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, you know, they've been on and off, but it's exactly what you're saying. It's late in the shot clock. It's three seconds to go, four seconds to go, five seconds to go. And it seems like there are so many of these long, exaggerated closeouts where teams just pump fake, drive by, get wide open shots or layups, and um, that's that's the king that killed. That's what killed North Carolina last night in Miami was those late shot clock makes and not being able to string together positions that were stops. At Brendan R. Marks on Twitter, before I let you go, uh, Blue Devils might be feeling sorry for themselves about Saturday. What's your uh, what's your take on? Is John Shire too nice? Uh, how are they recovering from all of that, even though they turned it over 22 times against Virginia, which is like turning it over 60 times uh, against some other team? Right, and allowed 42 points in the paint. Right. So, you know, you, you, you can – and also, you know, I, I do not think that Duke is getting any sympathy from anybody anywhere in the no, of course not. or around the country – in terms of calls, but like, listen, John Shire, I I think as we sort of heard yesterday from him on the ACC teleconference, like he's still peeved. He's still hot about this whole ordeal. And he's got a right to be because that was the statement win that this Duke team needed. Like, you know, beating Miami was nice. Um, You know, having beaten Xavier back at, uh, back in Portland in Mm -hmm. a non-conference schedule, that win just continues to get better and better, but elsewhere up and down this, uh, you know, resume, you know, Pitt is all right. North Carolina is all right. Iowa's all right. Um, but, like, there's not really that, like, wow, we, we beat somebody who really has a chance to win the whole thing, and that's what the Virginia game represented. So, 
As far as is Shire too nice, you know, <laughs> I've heard a lot of people say something along the lines of, you know, he should not have let them play over time. He, you know, I, that's ridiculous. Well, like he's on. going to let them play. The thing that I do think that he he probably should have done, and this is part of learning what you need to do as a head coach, is he should not have let his team go out there for overtime until he had complete clarity on what the rule was. There is no reason why he or Tony Bennett or all of the players involved in Saturday night's game should be going to the post-game news conferences and saying, we don't actually know what the call is. That, that's right. the part that, to me, is unacceptable. Um, so if I'm him, I think in the future you look and you learn and you go, listen, we might be going to overtime. I might disagree with that call. That's fine. But you've got to at least give me a solid reason for why we're doing this now. You not giving me a reason is not an option. So, um, again, it's, it's, he's a first-time head coach. It's something he's going to learn. It's, it's something that he's developing. Um, but, you know, that he is not the reason why they lost that game. It's the 22 turnovers, the 42 points in the paint. And, right. You know, as the ACC admitted, it's a blown call. Yeah, the, the, the ACC statement, though, like, I don't know who the referees really called the foul on, but in the statement, the foul was not on the guy the ACC recognized. If, if anybody fouled Kyle Filipowski, it was Reese Beekman. Not, not done. I just don't understand. Like it made me believe that nobody watched the video. Yeah, and and watching the replay, like you know, it was just sort of incredible to me that you know five seconds after the play in question, there are you know a thousand and one videos and screenshots <laughs> at the moment on social media, and the officials had no idea. And even five hours later, we don't know what we're doing. Like. Come on, guys. Like, I love the ACC. I root for the ACC. Like, I, I am a full ACC stand. And uh, Saturday, in every form, was not a conference's finest moment. No, it was a cluster. Brendan R. Marks, you're the man. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. We'll do it again soon. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me. You got it. At Wake Med MyCare 365, we deliver convenience others only talk about every day of the year. Primary care and urgent care under one roof. Multiple locations, virtual visits, walk-in or schedule an appointment online. From annual physicals and routine care to sinus infection, strep, or the flu, we couldn't be more convenient. Learn more about our kind of care and our kind of convenience at wakemed.org.